Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are beginning our study of Acts. This week we will look at part 1, which is chapters 1 through 12. This focuses on the Holy Spirit coming and how the church began. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you of where we are in the Bible as a whole, since it is one book and it tells one story. The Christian Old Testament is split up into five sections. It is the same books as the Hebrew Scriptures, but they split them up differently into three sections, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings, Plus, they include some books together into one category, like the 12 is one, so their count of books is different than ours. The Christian Old Testament starts with the Law, or the books of Moses, which has five books. Then the books of history, 12 books, followed by the books of poetry, five books, the major prophets, five books, and then the minor prophets, 12 books. There are 39 Old Testament books. The Old Testament is the basis and the foundation of the New Testament. Then we have the New Testament, which begins with four Gospels, which means good news. Matthew is the bridge, and he showed that Jesus was the promised son of David, who came and fulfilled the Old Testament. Mark showed us Jesus as the Son of God, and he did many miracles in this little gospel. Luke revealed Jesus as the Son of Man, and he showed us his humanity. One observation that Dr. Alan B. Stringfellow wrote in his book, Through the Bible in One Year, a 52-lesson introduction to the 66 books of the Bible, Matthew writes to the Hebrew mind, Mark to the Roman mind, while Luke writes to the Greek mind. Those three are called synoptic gospels because they are similar in style and content. And then there's John. John not only shows us that Jesus is the Son of God, but that he is also God. And he speaks in great detail about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, that Jesus will send when he leaves them. That is probably why John is the gospel before Acts, because it helps pave the way for the Holy Spirit's coming in Acts chapter 2. What is interesting is that Luke is the historic author of Acts, even though the book never says it. The book of Acts, by the way, is a book of history, and it tells us the history of how the church began. The Gospel of Luke begins, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. From this we find that Luke was not one of the disciples, but it was handed down to him from those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
Acts begins, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now the end of Acts talks of Paul being in house arrest in Rome for two full years, and that gives us a clue as to when the book was written. I shared during our lesson on Luke that because of the wording found in Acts, like us and we, in some of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, we realize that Luke joined Paul on some of his trips, especially at the end on their way to Rome. Paul described Luke as the beloved physician in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14. We know that Luke was highly educated because his Greek is the best of the Gospels. Also, by how he wrote, it seems clear that instead of reading the Hebrew Bible, he read the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, which leads us to believe that he was probably a Gentile believer and not a Jew. Both books are addressed to Theophilus, whose name means God-lover. Theo means God, Philo, love. We do not know if that was his real name or if it was a pseudonym, but in Luke he addressed him as most excellent, which leads us to believe that he probably was a Roman official. So the who of the book is believed to be Luke, the beloved Gentile believer, physician, and companion with Paul the Apostle. What? This is his second account that he wrote out for Theophilus about Jesus, and this is the continuation of the story. When? Luke had a span of 58 to 69 AD before the temple was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. Since Luke was first and the tentative date for Paul being in Rome for two years under house arrest was approximately 61 to 63 AD, then we could gather that his book was written after 63 and before 70 AD. Where did he write it from? It's unclear, but we do know that he was in Rome with Paul, and the truth is it doesn't affect the story where he was at the time. Why did he write it? As for the book of Luke, he wrote it so that Theophilus would know the exact truth about the things he had been taught. The first book was to tell the story of Jesus, his birth, childhood, ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and this story continues that story. Luke ends with Jesus appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem. And chapter 24 verse 45 of Luke says, Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures, the Old Testament. Then it continues, reminding them that the Christ must suffer and then rise again. He told them to preach repentance for forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, and they were witnesses of these things. Jesus said, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Verse 49. Jesus led them out of Bethany, lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while doing so, he was taken up into heaven. They worshiped, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, a word that Luke loves. And they were continually in the temple praising God. 
Now, before we dive into scripture, I want to talk about the title of the book, Acts. There is much debate as to whose Acts we are talking about. For a long time, and even in some Bibles, it says, the Acts of the Apostles. Yet, interestingly, the Apostles are only listed one time in this book, chapter 1, verse 13. And the two main apostles mentioned are Peter in the first half and then Paul in the second half. And Paul was not even one of the 12 apostles. Some say that it is the acts of the Holy Spirit. Because in verse 2 of chapter 1, Luke talks of Jesus led by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 5, they will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Then verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit foretold. Chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Paul quotes Joel, chapter 2, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Verse 33, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I counted eight times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Now, let me ask you a question. Whose spirit is it? In Acts chapter 16, verse 7, some translations say the spirit of Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, the spirit of Jesus Christ. And Galatians 4, 6, he writes, the spirit of his son. One of my pastors said with passion, it is not the acts of the apostles or of Peter and Paul. It is a continuation of Jesus's ministry. Now, instead of in the body, in the spirit. David Dockery wrote, what Jesus began is continued through the spirit. The spirit is not to be disassociated from Jesus. The spirit continues the work of Jesus. Acts starts with an overlap of Luke. Jesus revealed himself for 40 days to the apostles and others, and then he was taken up into heaven. He had commanded them to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for what the Father had promised, which you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Dr. Dockery also said, the spirit comes as promise, not the law. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the key to the book of Acts. This is the roadmap for the book. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Dr. Dockery also pointed out that the Spirit comes upon you, not from within you. It is not an emotional frenzy from within, but a sovereign gift from above. The disciples went to Jerusalem, and verse 14 states, These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His brothers became believers too. Woohoo! One thing I want to point out to you is that the women were there also. I've heard and I've read some people say that the Holy Spirit only came on the 12th, but that is not true. The women were there also. Actually, in verse 15, it says, There was a gathering of about 120 people together. 
This reminds me of the many unnamed believers that God has used in Scripture. Now, while there, Peter talked of Judas' betrayal, and he quoted Old Testament passages, and then said they needed to replace Judas. And the qualifications were a man who was with the disciples during the time of Jesus, who began at the baptism by John until the ascension, and that he witnessed the resurrection. They picked two men, prayed cast lots, which fell on Matthias, and they added him to the eleven apostles. Now, let me ask you some questions to think about. Is there any other reference to Matthias in the Bible? If the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, was Peter led by the Spirit? Does it say anywhere in Scripture that Peter was wrong? Whose disciples were they? Whose responsibility was it to replace Judas? Did Jesus have an opportunity to replace Judas? Did Jesus himself call Saul, who became Paul? Could Paul be the replacement that Jesus picked? Just something to think about as we read Acts. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They are still all together, including the women. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Jesus left after 40, so it was a little over a week. The Spirit came as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now in verse 8, we see that these tongues were other languages. We also notice that it was given as the Spirit desired. One point that Dr. Dockery made, notice that the tongues were given, not sought. Neither were they sought or looked for in Acts chapter 8, 10, or chapter 19. In verse 5, there are Jews living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And then in verse 10, that proselytes were also there, believers in God that were not originally Jewish. They heard the good news in their own language. Another point that Dr. Dockery made, which was interesting to me, was the purpose of tongues is not for worship, but for mission. Peter then preached. The first thing I want to point out to you is the passage that Peter first thought of when this happened. Joel chapter 2. And it shall be in the last days, God said, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. Ladies, the Holy Spirit is poured out on women too. And the women are also prophetesses of the Lord. Now, Ralph P. Martin in New Testament Foundations, A Guide for Christian Students, Volume 2, points out that Peter's sermon is split into three sections, and each has a three-part framework. First, an address is directed to the hearers. Chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 22. Chapter 2, verse 29. Next comes a statement of Christian truth. Chapter 2, verses 15 and following. 
chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, chapter 2, verses 29 through 33. Third, Peter appeals to an Old Testament text for a testimony to and proof of the assertion made. Chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. Chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. Chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. An illustration is the final section based with a reference to Psalm 16. There are three main points or proofs of the resurrection. The bodily resurrection of Jesus is spoken of in Old Testament scripture. Number two, the apostles were eyewitnesses. Number three, only the exaltation of the living Christ can explain this phenomena. We also clearly see that Peter declared that the Jews put Jesus to death. All of that was foretold by the Lord. The apostles witnessed it. And then there is a call to repentance and allegiance to the exalted Lord. Chapter 2, verses 38 through 41. And this is found in his book on pages 75 and 76. Some key verses, chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verses 38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Another note from Dr. Dockery, the central theme at Pentecost is not the Spirit, rather it is Jesus Christ and the cross event. Verse 41 tells us that 3,000 souls were baptized and added to their numbers. Verse 42 may have become a way of worship and gathering for the early church. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. One thing that struck me this time was verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Even though feelings come and go and we are not to rely on them, it is encouraging for me to see that they felt a sense of awe, and it was good. Chapter 2 ends with, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just a note, it was the Lord who added, not the apostles. One thing we see in these two chapters is that the gospel is for all people, not just the male Jews. The Spirit came upon women and people from every nation under heaven. This becomes one of the main problems addressed throughout Acts. So ladies, what popped out at you in today's lesson or your reading? Have you repented of your sin? Have you been baptized declaring Jesus as Lord? Have you accepted that forgiveness? Have you accepted the Holy Spirit in your life? If no, then please do it today. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He arose again for you and has promised life everlasting. Will you accept it? If yes, then what is Jesus asking of you? Maybe you just need to realize that you are of value to him and he cares for you. 
Maybe it is that you recognize that you are to go and to tell what Christ has done for you. If you hear his voice today, please don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be like the people at Pentecost and say yes and obey. Until next time, and thank you so very much for listening.